You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. It's good to be home. Uh, thank you for, uh, for praying for me. I have been uh, in the, the, I don't know if it's the Middle, Middle East, Asia, something like that, all over the place. I'm, are we recording this on TV right now? Or whatever. Yeah, I'll just, I won't say countries by name just for the sake of things, but thank you for praying for me. God is moving all across the world and it's good to be home. I was jet lagged until about uh, 90 seconds ago and <laughs> Penny gave me like 15 of those peppermint little things, you know what I'm talking about? doTERRA or whatever. I don't sell doTERRA, so that's not a shout out. Um, <laughs> I feel like I just swallowed a mouthful of snow. So. Whoa, I am on fire right now. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a, a real blessing to uh, this trip, and I'll just share a few testimonies because I know many of you prayed, but I got to uh, travel with Dr. Stan Fleming, who's uh, Susanna, uh, who was just up here in, in Liberty Fleming's father, and uh, he has a beautiful work of uh, compassion ministry and educating uh, children that are in slavery, uh, as well as just a ministry uh, of powerfully preaching the gospel and uh, seeing many people saved. And we got to go to a few crusades uh, together. And I, I think uh, we saw about 2,000 people come into faith uh, just, just uh, yeah, at the few meetings that we were at. So that was, that was a pretty remarkable experience and uh, hundreds of healings and people coming and testifying. And so it was a real uh, amazing, uh, impactful experience um, to get to be with him uh, in in, a, in his Islamic in Islamic nation, uh, and then also uh, got to spend a few days with uh, Pastor Suresh and Thomas, uh, Pastor Thomas, and partner again with the the mission of Riverhouse Global, and uh, you know God's just doing amazing things, giving us incredible favor, and uh, had a pastor. Uh, tell me that's been there two decades of ministry, and he said, you know, Riverhouse is ushering in a culture that is a new thing that I've never seen in this nation. And he said, and I've never seen uh, pastors and senior leaders respond the way that they're responding. And so, uh, you know, God's using the culture of this church to, to really transform uh, leaders um, all across, uh, you know, Southeast Asia and, and nations all across Southeast Asia because of the testimonies of what's taking place are beginning to open their doors and invite us um, to come and continue ministering to leaders uh, across, all across Asia, truly, doors are opening. So um, it's amazing. Uh, you know, one testimony, I could honestly give you a bunch of testimonies of, of healings and stuff, but the one that was pretty cool is I had a, a mother bring me her I think he was about 10 or 12-year-old boy who was born deaf and born mute. And uh, God both, uh, opened both of his ears. And, uh, and by the end, yeah, and, and uh, by the end of prayer, his voice had gotten to the point that he was saying the name of Jesus. And uh, it got stronger and stronger. And then when he was finally walking away, I said, bless you. And he said, thank you. <laughs> So, uh, you know, the lame are walking and the deaf are hearing and the mute are speaking and the power of the gospel is just alive today as it has ever been. And Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday and forever. And God became a man named Jesus and he died on a cross, shed his blood and he rose again and he is, he is still moving in resurrection power. So I just want to testify to you that 
uh, things eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which has never entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So um, thank you for your prayers and know that what is taking place in the culture that we are creating in this church is truly transforming uh, people across the world. So um, thank you for your prayers. Thank you for allowing me to be gone. I heard we had a good two weeks and uh, I'm excited to be home and uh, you know, been reflecting on the last three years. You know, no, November 4th was our birthday of 2016, and that was the first service that we had here. And so uh, this is the end of a three-year uh, time that we've been in this space. And I've just been, uh, even tonight, pondering, you know, how many times such beautiful ministry uh, down here at this very uncomfortable, uh, firm altar. And... Uh, you know, the tears that have been shed and the encounters with God and, and the moments in his presence and the speakers that have come and, uh, you know, so much has trans, uh, transpired here in this space. And so I'm the sentimental type. Uh, if you're like me, transition can be difficult. I used to cry on the last day of school each year. My brother would be uh, like leaping for joy, frolicking home, and I'd be crying, uh, you know, because transition is, uh, it's good, but it can be hard, uh, for, at least for me. I know some of you weirdos love it. Uh, I struggle. And uh, so, you know, even as I've been remembering with great gratitude all that God's been to us here and so excited about what the future holds, I kind of wanted to just encourage you all that, um, you know, transition can be difficult, and I imagine it'll be kind of a new feeling and, and amazing, but also like different in a new space and different room size. Like I remember our first service here, I was like really insecure. So I was like, this feels like a ghost town. There's like 20 people. I was like, this room's huge. <laughs> you know, and now I was like, is this thing ever going to feel full? And, you know, I don't know what it will feel like there, but it's going to feel different. And I just want to invite you to embrace the change and recognize that our home is not a building. Our home is God. And our home is his presence. And so no matter where we go and no matter what it's like, like we will create a home because he is our home. And uh, so uh, just to, let's embrace the chain and let, change and just um, allow God to shape us and grow us and, and evolve who we are and mature us into a family. Amen. So yeah, next week, big time. It's happening. We get to actually see other people that you go to church with. That'll be kind of cool, huh? Uh, my brother, he was like, you know, I haven't been to 7 o'clock service for a long time since until I was preaching last week. And I was like, man, I don't even know a lot of these people. So I think we're going to get to church and be like, is this your first time? No, I've been here for two years. You know, so uh, come ready to meet new people, single people, get a haircut, new, new outfit. It might, and it might, be, uh, it might be a special night, huh? You're like, man, I've been praying for the Lord to send the one. And they've been at this church for two years. I just didn't even know it. You know, so I think that's why God's given us one service, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn them to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I already, uh, I already quoted this, but I, I want us to, to read this together, and we'll read uh, chapter 9, or verse 9 of chapter 2. says, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. And I want to talk to you tonight about holding on to the promise. You know, I, I, I heard a story of a, a German boy who was, he was born into Nazi Germany and 
his father was a Pentecostal preacher, and he, at a young age, I think five or six, started really feeling strongly that he was called to be a preacher. And he began telling his family, telling that his, he was the youngest of like five brothers, and told his mom, told his dad, and uh, he would get rebuked because his father was very adamant that your my firstborn son will follow in my footsteps. You will not be a preacher, and it, and it hurt his heart. But you know he was a young kid and it was kind of water off his back for a while. And then, he, but he used to beg his dad to come to the weekly prayer meetings at the church, and his dad would say, "No, you're not going to be a preacher. You're not coming to the meeting. It's not fit for a boy." And he kept nagging and nagging and nagging until uh, one day his fa- father finally said, "Okay, like you can come with a, you, me and your mom tonight." So he was at that prayer meeting, praying in the back of the room, and at the end of the prayer meeting, there was a grandmother in the church that uh, began speaking and said, I had a vision while we were in prayer. And she said, in the vision, I saw a sea of African people and a boy standing in the middle of them with a bread basket, and he was handing out bread, and somehow from that basket, he was feeding the multitude of people. And then she pointed across the room to this little boy and said, and that was the boy I saw in the vision. And God put a promise inside that little boy's heart, but his father continued to tell him, my firstborn son will be a preacher and you will not be. And uh, he said about, he was about 10, 10, 12 years old, hurting because of the rebuke and the rejection of his own family from the call that God had given him. And he lived on a little village by the Rhine River and big boats would port at the dock And he said he was at the dock just crying over the pain of feeling rejected and this promise he'd been given. And he had tears in his face and got angry. He went up and he just started pushing this big boat. And because of the buoyancy, the boat began to move. And the Holy Spirit whispered to him and said, it doesn't matter what your father says or what any man says. He said, if you will put your faith in me, I will move mountains. And and that little boy uh, is Reinhard Bonnke. And he grew up to feed multitudes and led over 100 million people to the Lord. Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. You know, God has no scarcity of calling and scarcity of anointing and scarcity of promise when it comes to his beloved children. God has a plan for your life and God has a promise for you. And, and if we're to be a people that live into this promise, we, we have to first be possessed by promise and then we have to learn to hold on to our promise. You know, I, I've been uh, literally, you know, I'm, I'm coming home, I'm, I'm walking into the fulfillment of promises right now that five, six, seven years ago, it seemed like absolute obscurity. Uh, you know, God had been began speaking to me, you know, almost a decade ago in, 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 in kind of a multi-year journey, depositing promise after promise, telling me I was going to lead a church, telling me he was going to send me to nations, telling me that nations I didn't know were going to come to me, that doors were going to open, that he was going to use me to lead leaders, that he was going to use me to pastor pastors, that he was going to use me to do all the things that I'm actually walking into right now. And I, I literally was like, God, I have no idea how any of this will ever happen because I'm not a preacher's kid. I have no connections to churches. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a, I'm a first-generation preacher, first-generation pastor, first-generation, you know, and, and all of these types of things. I've never even had aspirations to be a preacher in the first part. You know, but God gave me a promise, and that promise possessed me. 
And I remember when my, uh, I had started a ministry and I, it was, you know, really small. I've, I've shared that before. I had five people in service and two of them were on the worship team and <laughs> makes for an awkward night. And, uh, you know, you can't really like raise your voice and preach with passion when it's like, you know, four people. Uh, it just doesn't quite feel appropriate. And, uh, I, I, you know, I was like, God, I think I might have missed my call. I don't really think that this is the most, you know, like appropriate or efficient use of my time. I think I could be doing business, making money, doing something to build the kingdom in different expressions. Like, I don't really know why, why I'm doing this. And uh, he'd given me these promises. I was going to preach in front of thousands of people. I was going to do these things. And here I am. And, and I remember one night I was driving through the night and... I it was in the the dark of night. I was driving to California to to visit my mom when she lived there, and and God said, Jordan, He said, I want you to see the fulfillment of the promise I've given you. And I said, okay. And He said, I want you to see. He said, I want you to gaze with faith. I want you to see the multitudes of people. He said, and I want you to start worshiping me as if it's already fulfilled. He said, I want you to see the, the, the deaf ears opening. I want you to see the salvations. I want you to see the lives transformed. I want you to see the fulfillment of the promise that I've spoken to you. I want you to see it, and I want you to start worshiping me like it's happening right now, like it has already taken place. And I remember I was driving through the night, and something deep inside of me, because I was very discouraged at this season in my life because everything seemed very fruitless and very small and insignificant. And just tears begin to pour down my face, driving through the middle of the night, because my faith, I could see. I could see the fulfillment of the promise. And I just began worshiping God. I don't, I, you know, I didn't know how it was going to happen. In my mind, it was going to be in my 50s or my 60s or my 70s, or maybe that was for, like, my grandchildren, you know, like,